is the Driven Women's Guide to Love, Life, and Business. Hosted by the boss ladies Alex and Gabby. Combined, their network gathers an array of women from various industries who exemplify strength and tenacity. Their fun and positive approach to life will awaken the boss in you. You're listening to Girls Gone Boss. Arely Girarte serves as VP of Music at Paramount Pictures, where she oversees music creative and production. With a passion for innovation and storytelling, Arely fuses current music trends and artists to develop cross-promotional approaches to expand a project's reach. She has been a part of some of the most iconic soundtracks of our time, and we were lucky enough to sit down with her for this very candid conversation. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Girls Gone Boss. And um, Alex, where are yes. you? Why does it look like you're in a... <laughs> <laughs> oh I'm going to tell Ryan you said that. That's hilarious. <laughs> oh, is that his date room? Uh, is that his... It's his, it's his office slash guest room where my in-laws sleep when they watch Riley for me. <laughs> but it's filled with gator gear all over the wall. So that's what you're looking at. And I try to blur it out, but I, I, I guess it's not really working. I thought it was like a background that you picked randomly <laughs> and then I'm like why is she in a dorm room <laughs> that is really funny and I'm gonna tell him the second we get off this call <laughs> but anyways how are you I'm good been better but I'm good I'm good oh I know we had a lot of crazy Man. happen in our lives lately but we are surviving we're almost at the end of the year we're almost wrapping our season and it's just a blessing to be healthy and to still be doing this. Very true. It is. It is a blessing that we're still able to do this week in and week out. And, you know, I'm very grateful, Gabby. I'm very grateful that I have you because I can. I know that I can always rely on you to get my back whenever I can't accomplish something. So thank you so much for Aww. being understanding and being there for me because it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. Thank no, you. and we met yeah. with each other like, girl, guess what? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we're so excited to have our guest today, Areli Kidarte. I said it right. Kudos to me. We have to roll that R with her last name. So Areli is joining us today and we're super excited because she is the vice president of music at Paramount Pictures and there she oversees the music creative and production and we get to just dive into her world today and just learn a little bit about her in, you know, basically growing up, picking a career and then just knowing exactly what she does now. I think our listeners will really enjoy this because we've had production people before, but we've never had anybody that, you know, works in the realm that you work. So welcome, Arely. Thank you, guys. So great to be here. I'm so happy to be, you know, finishing my year off speaking to two wonderful women. Um, Congratulations on on a great year, and thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you for for joining us. And you are in L.A. currently, correct? I'm in L.A., although you probably see me wearing a really big Sherpa type of jacket. Um, I am freezing and it's only like 70 degrees outside. But um, my house is actually an old craftsman home um, in Boyle Heights and the heat isn't that great. So as a result, I'm wearing multiple, multiple layers and it feels like I might as well be in New York or somewhere else. (laughs) Don't worry. When it hits 79, I put on a sweater because I'm on my own. I'm not alone. So. No, you're not. Hey, and LA could get really cold. So let's not doubt that about California. 
Absolutely. It dips really low at night. So, you know, just kind of transitioning from the, the summer into an actual fall, which is super exciting. So exciting. So tell us about, you are Mexican, born yes. in Mexico. Yes. Tell us about your time growing up there and, you know, how you got to the U.S., to the side. Yeah. Well, um, I was born in Guadalajara, Jalisco. Um, I lived in, in Guadalajara until I was about six years old. Um, so I think looking back at my childhood in Mexico, I probably idealize it a little bit, you know, and, and at that age, I think uh, the things that I remember the most fondly are obviously being surrounded by my extended family. Um, we have a big family of, uh, you know, five um, my mom has five siblings. Um, I have my my brother, uh, who's 15 years older than I am. And you know, at five, he was he was already a bit of an adult. So I just remember him, you know, being there for me and just kind of taking me to school. My grandfather, you know, and for me, I think life was great at that age. But you know, and in, in retrospect, I think it was probably challenging for my mom. You know, having her two kids um, in in Mexico and you know, just trying to provide for a better opportunity for her children. And I think at that point, she decided to bring my brother and I to to the States. Um, and my grandmother, who is the, the true matriarch of our family, was already living here. And, you know, she decided to, to bring us. I grew up in Boyle Heights. Um, I still live in Boyle Heights, which I absolutely love because um, it is so reminiscent of, of Mexico. You know, it is predominantly Latino. And, uh, you know, I know my neighbors, we speak Spanish. Um, my grandmother, who's still alive, she's 99, um, lives about a mile away from me. So I get to see her, um, not as frequently, obviously, with, with the pandemic, but, um, and also my mom is living with me as well. So it's, it's still been, I've been able to kind of have that very familial upbringing, which I cherish, but um, I do miss my brother. He, he moved back um, to Mexico at a young age, not at a young age, sorry, when we came, um, it just wasn't for him. He didn't adapt as quickly as I did, right? But I was five and he was 20. So I think it was easier for me to absorb the, the culture, the language, whereas for him, it, it was really hard to assimilate. So he, he went back, but um, I see him, you know, twice a year, although this year I haven't seen him, which is, which is really tough, but um, I love WhatsApp because I'm able to keep in touch with all of my family back home. So so it's great, but yeah, it's been it's been a long journey, and and I definitely go back um, and visit as much as I can. And I absolutely I love I love my country, my home country. But you know, as now uh, a Mexican American, um, and and understanding how my upbringing has really shaped who I am today, you know, and and taking taking the cultures both and becoming a multicultural um, human, really, and and you know, using that as a as a trajectory for for myself and my career. I love that. I think Alex and I have like a similar story. We both came here. I came at about eight. Um, I'm from Nicaragua, and um, I came as well, not knowing what was going to be next. But you know, I think we come from at least my upbringing was very much about hard work and education and just studying and doing what you have to do. Um, but where did your drive come from? Like, cause I feel like, yeah, we came here with no um, GPS of where we should go next. Cause I feel, I don't know if you can relate Alex or Arely. Um, My mom at that point was on survival mode. 
My dad mm-hmm. died. So she would, didn't have time to be like, hey, this is what you have to do to get to college. This is what you have to do to apply. Like I literally had to figure it out myself. Oh, yeah. So did you feel the same thing? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I think my drive probably came from the struggle, right, that I saw my mom endure, um, knowing that she left a life behind in, in Mexico where you know, she, she had a career as a, as a secretary and um, chose to leave that behind for us and come here to provide a better future, was able to provide on very basic income and her perseverance and her drive and her stamina, you know, taking the bus at, late that night in downtown LA, which was, you know, very unsafe and at that time and, uh, and being able to just kind of keep going, you know, just to provide for, for me and my brother. Uh, I think that really gave me the strength to say, okay, if she, she's doing this for me, then what am I going to do for us? What am I going to do for the family? And, and how can I surround myself with a community of people that can help me understand the things that I don't? And I think to your point about the GPS, I mean, I've taken a lot of, you know, bad turns and, and, and reroutes and, you know, it's, it's not always a straight line, but I think, you know, having two strong women in my life, um, my grandmother who came here, you know, when she was older, like in her, in her second chapter of life, as I call it, you know, and, and was a pioneer really and opened the door for, for the family, um, to come here. Uh, I thought, I think that that also was just for me an inspiration, the, her ability to, say I need a different life and I'm going to go reinvent myself um, and, and opening the door for me, you know? So I think that the, the emblematic uh, Latina is just such an essential part of my upbringing, you know, and I'm very lucky to have had two strong matriarchs in my life. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's definitely, it, it, there is no, there is no template. Is there? At all. Nothing. <laughs> nope. Well, we made it. We we made it. Mama, I made it. That's right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we did. And um and I think it, it has a lot to do with the fact that us women were just adaptable and we're just like go getters and, and I think that you have a similar mom too, Alex. Your mom's such a boss. Yeah. Well the difference between me and both of you guys is that you guys were being raised by just a single mother at that point right and I had both my parents but I still saw the same struggle like you said it was survival mode that's all it was right you don't you just know that you're giving your child a better life um you don't know it it has to be better than what you're leaving behind at that point and I think that that's also why like our parents have instilled what they've instilled in us. And that's why we are who we are because of that. And the opportunities that we get too, we're like, we know like we got to go for them and we got to take them. So speaking of you growing up with your, with your mom and your grandmother, um, how did you know that you wanted to get into the business that you're in? Was there like something that you were like sparked your curiosity at, at a young age? Yeah, I mean, I always loved entertainment as a kid. And if I look back in, at old photos of, of my life in, in Mexico, I, I used to want to perf- I used to perform. Like if there was ever a mariachi or something, I was at the center of it, you know, just, just drawing attention. So I always knew that there was something inherently joyful about entertainment. Um, however, I didn't really know what that road was. I didn't really know that there was 
careers to be made. You know, it, for me, I think growing up, it was just literally about going to school, learning the language, um, you know, getting a degree. And then really it's, it was kind of fate. I think that brought me to, uh, to actually understand that there is a career. And um, it's a funny story. Cause I, I think I had blocked this out for some reason, but um, my mom, you know, when I was about to graduate from high school, she, one of her friends was uh, helping with extras casting and somehow we got roped into that, to that life. Seeing the magnitude uh, of a set just was mesmerizing. And I think from that point on, I just knew that I wanted to in, be involved in, in a capacity. And I didn't know what, what that was gonna be, um, but I knew I wanted to be in it, you know? And yeah, I just, reality struck and I knew I needed to go to, to college, you know, and, and still I decided to go to Cal State LA. I had a journal, broadcast journalism degree and I signed up. And from there on, I learned a little bit of the nuts and bolts of what goes into production. And I absolutely fell in love with the process. Um, and from there, I was lucky enough my senior year of college to um, get an, an internship at Univision. And I was working with the morning show at Despierta America. And that was really an opportunity that I never thought was going to happen. But I, I found myself being part of the creative process, you know, working with the producer, working with the reporter, working with the editor to really package these stories um, that were really reflective of our community. So the ability to be able to, you know, produce stories that were going to impact um, the, the, the community that I that I loved and I cherished was really a great opportunity. So um, I, I stayed there for, for about a year. And um, when I graduated college, uh, they offered me a freelance news production job. So I was working uh, with Primer Impacto and doing a little bit of, uh, of the news, um, the hard news for uh, on the LA Bureau. Um, and that was just, again, just stories that I, you know, that were really important to be told. And that was really the trajectory, I think, for me. But I think I, it goes back to being on that set and really understanding what the, the level of, of just meticulous nature that goes into it was just amazing. So tell us how then your journey then led you to Paramount. So, yeah. So after um, Univision, I quickly realized that I wanted to maybe try something different, you know, and at that point, I think I was just struggling a little bit with the freelance and I needed something that was a little bit more stable. And unfortunately, at the time, they couldn't offer me something more permanent. So I went to a job fair um, that my friend who was working at ABC7 at the time was hosting in Pasadena Convention Center. And I honestly didn't want to go because I never thought that anything would come of it. But I, I did it. I went and I had actually just one printout of my resume. And I approached the, uh, the, the Fox booth. And from there, I just, you know, I was like, I love Fox. I love The Simpsons. I grew up watching that. Um, let me see what they're about, you know. And, and I met, met an HR rep who she and I hit it off instantly. You know, we, we talked for like 10 minutes and she, she said, hey, look, I have something that's opening up. Um, you know, it's very entry level, but it's entertainment and it's, you know, get your foot in the door. What do you think? And she's like, it's in music. 
And I looked at her and I'm like, music? What do you mean? Like, I never really knew that there was an opportunity, uh, you know, at a studio to do music. And she's like, well, yeah, absolutely. You'll be the assistant to the president of the music publishing department. And, you know, it's a it's a foot in the do- it's foot in the door and, and you'll get your bearings. So shortly thereafter, I, I went in, I interviewed and, and I got the job. Um, so I started off as an assistant really on, on that desk and learned the nuts and bolts of, of music publishing and copyright. And, you know, from there really was fascinated about the creative process, which I think I have more creative tendencies um, and was able to find my my way into the creative de- department at Fox. And I was uh, moved up to the assistant of um, music production and creative and really kind of just learned the ropes of what it is to be part of the creative vision for a film. Um, you know, and, and, and worked on some amazing soundtracks like 500 Days of Summer, which still was one of my first movies that I worked on on the music side. And I spent 12 years at Fox, which was a long time, you know, and I am super grateful. And I look back on those times fondly because it was really kind of those were my formative years. That's kind of how I was able to become the executive that I am, you know, and, and I've learned from so many great people at that company. Um, but after 12 years, I, I knew it was time for something different. And I was lucky enough to meet the president of, of Paramount Music, who, you know, gave me an opportunity. So it's now two years that I've been at Paramount. Um, and it's just been a whirlwind, you know, one of which has been spent at home. <laughs> but it's been such a great process. I love that story. I love the fact that you went to a, um, a career fair and then it led to an actual career, yeah. which you don't hear that that type of story much often. And a lot of people, everybody listening, they I know that they that they sway mm-hmm. away from that, sway away from going to the career fairs. But you're proof that it, something can really, truly come Absolutely. about. That's yeah, amazing. no, I trust me when I heard about it, I, I was very reluctant. But um, from now, yeah, I, I truly believe that if there are resources, we have to take opportunities. We have to take those chances. So what are you doing now at Paramount exactly? So right now, um, you know, I'm part of the the music team on the film side. Uh, it's a really amazing job. I'm so fortunate. And we're basically part of the creative team that brings the vision to life, the music vision to life. So we work very closely with studio executives, filmmakers, um, to understand what the music strategy is going to be for our films. Um, and that, you know, can be from composer and original composition and, you know, understanding who that right collaborator is going to be for the director and the producer um, to original songs, you know, working with artists and talent to write original uh, songs for films um, and then licensing, you know, and budgeting. So it's, it's, it's a bit of a project management, I think. And um, we're involved from the very early stages. As soon as we get a script, we read it, you know, we break, we break it down, we budget it. And then, you know, it just becomes about the, the creative process and understanding what that's going to be like, who the right collaborators are. Um, so it's great. You know, it's, it's, it's a dream come true. Uh, just for our listeners, because most of them are, you know, up and coming and like trying to figure out where they want to go in career wise. Can you just explain a little bit more on uh, the licensing part and how music is licensed for television? And what you mean by budgeting that out? 
Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, it's to dive in a little bit into it. Um, anytime you use music in media, uh, you have to pay for it. You know, it's it's somebody's intellectual property, so you have to make sure that you're uh, honoring that and and licensing it. So, typically, what happens is if we want to use a song, we'll have to go to the publisher, uh, which represents the the writer, the songwriter, and the composition. Um, and also the label, which, you know, is who the artist on the track is. So traditionally we, you know, we'll negotiate those, those terms and, you know, what that looks like and then budget it really, like understand how much we think it's going to cost. And then from there it becomes a little bit of a negotiation, but also when you're doing original songs, you know, you're creating new work. So you're creating new IP. And, you know, from there, it's it's really working again with those labels and those publishers uh, to create this body of work that then will be used in our films or television, you know, film or TV. Um, so it's just a really intricate process where you have to, you know, just be aware of all of the people that are involved, um, you know, from the publisher to the label to the manager to the artist. Um, so it, it, it is a little bit of, of the, the legal of it all, you know, and, and I'm very lucky that I've got a great licensing team at Paramount that, um, you know, is dedicated solely to getting those songs cleared and those uh, and obtaining those rights. And then also our business affairs team, which, you know, whenever we do an original song, make sure that those those rights are also incorporated and folded in. I think this is so amazing because you also, I mean, we all know how important music is to building a soundtrack to life, to just changing our mood, to like even shifting um, what you're watching. It can just totally take it to a different level with the type of music you score, the show, yeah. or the film. Or, so I love it that you're part of the creative process of picking those moments and those songs, right? That create those, that, that I guess, I should say that emit those feelings, right? So how yeah. is that the creative feel like that has to be fun, right? I mean, imagine. It's really, I mean, it's it's definitely fun and it's very creative, but there's also a lot of back and forth. You know, it's not really as easy as just me listening to Spotify, listening to a song and saying, This is it, we're putting this in the movie. You know, there's there's a really lengthy process that um that that goes along with, you know, making sure that it fits the mood of, of the scene, right? You know, understanding what that music does to evoke the emotion that the director is trying to convey, you know, and that, you know, that takes a lot of experimentation. And typically we will, you know, we will submit, you know, many, many songs. It's not never, it's never like, here's one song, take it or leave it. You know, it's a very yeah. collaborative ongoing process and it's also, you know, to the collaboration, it's not just me and, and the music team. We also take, you know, opinions from from anybody that's involved with the project. You know, I, I love to understand what, the, what other people are listening to, what their ideas might be. So it becomes a very communal experience when you're trying to find that right song. Um, but it, it, it is really, it's really fun, but it, it's always a, it, it's a struggle when you can't nail it. You know, it's really hard when you're like, why isn't it working? Why is it not giving me the feeling that, that it should be giving me? Because um, you have to, I think what I've understood now is that, it, that the music becomes a vehicle for the storytelling and it becomes a vehicle for, for the vision of the, of the filmmakers. So finding that right gem 
takes a lot of experimentation, you know, working directly with the music editor um, who helps, you know, cut the song in perfectly and, and you know, weave it in and out of, of the narrative, of the dialogue. Um, so it, it is a very, uh, you know, intense process to find, to find the, right, the right gem, but um, it's a fun one for sure. So that process, though, are you already looking? I'm, I'm sure you're already looking for music from the moment that the you get the green light to shoot the the film. But is most of the music choice being selected during the script writing, or is that really in post production? I mean, I think once I get a script and I read it and I walk away with an understanding of what the music can be, right? For example, if it's a, a, a story about a young adult or, you know, like The Fault in Our Stars, which is a movie that I worked on, you know, you start to kind of compile ideas of, of songs that are maybe emotional, heartbreaking songs, songs about loss, um, or artists that I feel are gonna make an impact in that demographic, you know, things that, probably I at my age, I'm not necessarily listening to, but you know, my assistant might be listening to. Um, so you start to kind of create and build a playlist that then becomes a little bit of a collaborative playlist with, with the filmmakers. Um, and then, you know, if during production, for example, uh, there is an on-camera moment, meaning for example, there's a band that's playing on camera, you know, then we work closely with, with the director to understand what that song needs to be. Um, perhaps it's something that they've already thought about, you know, and then at that point it becomes about clearing it and then also finding the right artist to play on camera, you know, and who that becomes and working with management to make sure that, you know, they're available during our production, uh, making sure that they, you know, show up on set um, and then working with sound to make sure that if it's being recorded live, that we have the best elements um, or if it's a pre-record, making sure that we have all of that music prepared for the sound playback. So, um, you know, it's kind of an ongoing, an ongoing process, but I think once we get into post-production and we've really got a little bit more of a, just an, an outline of what the movie is and specifically areas where we feel music will, a song will really help, then that's where we start to experiment. You know, we typically send, you know, 10 songs at a time to see if any of those are resonating. And if for whatever reason we're not nailing it, then we say, well, why don't we try something original? You know, why don't we create something um, that is specifically tailored to the scene and the sequence? And then, you know, that's that's also really fun because then we get to work with songwriters and artists from the ground up to build something that is specifically uh, written for, for the scene. Do you guys have in-house, like, producers uh, that do this? Or do you guys have to, like, outsource and contact a certain producer that you would want to work with that you think would bring the vision to life? Like, Yeah, musically? we don't have anybody in-house per se, but obviously we have... Um, a great community of uh, producers and songwriters that that we work with, you know, and there's also just young talent and up and coming talent that we we want to work with. So this kind of lends itself to that opportunity, which is which is really great, um, you know. But there's also original score, which is the you know the underscore that that sometimes the it just you know you're trying to convey fear or tension um you know and we work with our composers to to create that you know and and that's also an ongoing process that can start as early as the script as a script page um for example with uh joker you know hilder uh worked really closely with the director 
on on developing that sound very early on, you know, and she created a lot of these score suites, um, which are, you know, lengthy 10 minute, uh, you know, theme ideas, thematic ideas that then can be broken down and cut into the picture to start laying the foundation of, you know, of the mood and the emotion that you're trying to convey. So it's, it's a really intricate process that um, I love to get in there as early as I can to really start to understand what it can be. I love it. I feel like we all have just the privilege of sitting down, watching a movie and being entertained, but we don't know how much is in it. Like all the <laughs> stuff that you guys make or have to do to in order for us to enjoy it with some music, right? What is yeah, and I'm also I'm also actually thinking like what an impact you have on people's lives without them even knowing it because you know like as you're going through things in your life, pandemic, a new baby, a breakup or anything, you always tend to go you you gravitate towards a soundtrack or a song that made you feel a certain way. Or and you're a part of that. You're a part of everybody's daily life, basically. <laughs> That's amazing. That's no, really it's cool. great. It's really, it's really a fun process, um, you know. But I think the the importance is the collaboration that comes uh, comes with it. You know, it, the fact that you kind of take ideas from from everywhere. You know, and and to find the right idea um, is is not solely one person. You know, it's a kind of a, a symbiotic relationship that I think is is really important to the success of the of that feeling you know make sure that you are crying when you need to cry you know or to be scared when you need to be scared so um we test each other with that which is fun i love it yeah it definitely takes a village it does <laughs> what is your proudest moment there thus far well i i must say that um the movie's not out yet, so I, it's not out here in the in the states. But um, it just was released internationally on Netflix. But um, it'll be coming here in the states uh, in in February. Uh, but it's SpongeBob, uh, Sponge on the Run, which is our upcoming uh, feature film. And I absolutely loved working on this movie, not only because I've, I've been a fan of the show and I and I grew up with the show, but because I live in a community that also loves SpongeBob. It's such a cultural, iconic brand in in the Latin community, you know? And I was so thrilled to be able to be a part of, of shaping the music. Um, and through that, we were able to work with Daini, the producer, Lex Barrero, and the Neon 16 team. Who came on board to executive produce the soundtrack with me. And we were able to create I think just a really impactful song and songs rather, you know, that I think hopefully will will help shift the idea of, of mainstream. You know, we were able to produce um, a remix version of the SpongeBob theme with Jay Belvin, uh, which was just for me a, a proud moment because I've been such a huge fan of his work um, for a long time. But, you know, also just being able to lean into to Latin talent and be able to produce a soundtrack um, that, you know, that speaks a language that I grew up with, you know, that that is surrounding me um, and, and come up with that was just a really, really fun process, um, you know, because we had a lot of pressure because uh, the first two soundtracks for, for the SpongeBob films were iconic. You know, the last soundtrack was uh, was for all Williams. So 
we knew we wanted to do something something big. And with that idea, I was really fortunate to to work with um, the director and the producer and and the studio uh, to really produce this this song. You know, which um, it, it, which is called Agua. And it samples the original SpongeBob theme, but it's uh, it's created, it's all in Spanish, which is really just for me, a dream come true to be able to produce something that my mom can listen to and my cousins can listen to and understand, you know, and, um, and growing up in Boyle Heights, I think, you know, just finding that connection with the community and giving something that they can hopefully latch onto as we say, para la cultura, you know, was just really a fun process. And I'm, I'm so thrilled that, you know, Paramount got behind it and we were able to uh, to produce a music video um, as part of the, the rollout of the song, which came out earlier in the summer. And, you know, we, we grappled with it because obviously there was a, a pandemic, there is a pandemic going on and we, we wanted to give something back to the community. So we felt that the timing to just maybe bring a little bit of, of, of levity to the world um, was the right idea. And I'm so, it, it seems like people are gravitating towards it, which is, which is really great. Yeah, that was a huge track. Congratulations on that. And, and just the, the fact that you were able to, you know, bring as a Latina, I, I mean, bring that to Paramount and, and be able to like, you know, put to put forth our community and also just how the rise of, of the global sound that Latin music is right now. It's such a big moment for it. So it, it was great that you were able to like push that forward. And then, and you know, I know that there isn't that many Latinas um, in a position like yours. So it's great to have someone that does push the culture like you do. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, you know, the importance of platforms like yours, you know, is just offering opportunities to, to women and, you know, underrepresented voices. So I, I think you guys are doing such a great job of providing those, you know, the platform and the resources. And, you know, I think that, that it is important for, uh, you know, diverse backgrounds to make up the boardrooms and to make out, you know, to make up the, the decision-making process, you know, cause I think that that, that nuance is lost if it's, if it's not diverse, you know? So to that end, I think that it is important to have uh, you know, a plethora of, of cultures be involved in the decision process. Um, cause I think it just, it, it starts to mirror our lives and the actual, you know, what we experience every day. So the ability to have those voices, um, I think is great. And I think it, you're going to start seeing a little bit more of this as, as, you know, content becomes obviously more prevalent, but also as, you know, these voices are given a mainstream pro um, platform. I, so what do you think is the key to making a successful female leader then? Because you're saying that we need to improve, right, the, the representation of women in film. So what makes a successful female leader? It's such, a, it's such an intricate question. You know, I think that women are still inventing the definition of what it is to be a female leader, which I think just creates a broad opportunity for us to shape what that is, you know, and I think it's definitely an ongoing discovery, um, you know, but I think one of the most important tools that, that we as women have is our ability to be vulnerable, you know, um, and I think vulnerability is just something that helps you relate and it makes you real, you know, and I think that having those 
real and earnest, honest conversations with filmmakers, for example, or with executives, I think that that really is kind of what breaks the tension, you know, and really kind of paves the way for for just an honest dialogue. And I think that that's so important is to be able to, you know, have what you offer and bring it to the table and have a conversation about it, you know, because I think that our life experiences shape who we are, but we're not, that's the beauty of it. We're not um, identical. You know, I think we all have different backgrounds and we all have um, different experiences that I think can help maybe open up somebody else's mentality or somebody else's idea of, of what it is. So for me, I think vulnerability is, is something that I, that I think is, is so important. And I, and I see a lot of women leaders in, in my, at Paramount, for example, that, that, are vulnerable, you know, and, and if it's, if you don't have the answer, it's okay not to have the answer. And that's why you surround yourself with people that have diverse backgrounds that have different strengths, you know, and then that's really how you build that, that community. That's so true. Honestly, because sometimes we feel like we have to know it all and it's not yeah. the case. Um, <laughs> and, and I also know that if you're the smartest person in the room, then you, you're going to be in the wrong room because you always want to be with people that either know more or you can learn from, or, you know, obviously we want to give back, but in, in terms of like how you grow is like, you got to build your community and your community has to be filled with people that, you know, can come from diversity and, and have different skills, like you said. So mm -hmm. I totally agree with you. What can be some advice that you give our listeners who are building their careers and, and maybe are just kind of like trying to get their feet wet? I think, you know, just be curious. I think that we have such an opportunity at our at our hands with technology. You know, I think it's becoming increasingly easier to learn new techniques, learn new skill sets, um, you know, and, and really diversify yourself. Um, you know, I think that that's, that's something that is really essential as you're starting to discover your path. And, you know, no one has the answer at, at, right at the beginning. You know, I certainly didn't. I think my, my career trajectory took a lot of different turns, but I think one of the important things that I had was the ability to be nimble, you know, the ability to say, hey, maybe try this. Like you've been curious about marketing. Why don't you take a digital marketing course, you know, or you're afraid, you're afraid of public speaking. Why don't you take a public speaking course? You know, like there are so many resources at our disposal now that I think it, we're really, you know, kind of at a, at a pivotal stage where we just have to diversify ourselves. And, and curiosity, I think, is, is probably the, the biggest the biggest thing that I think will will lead to you uncovering what your passion is, you know, because I think that we can often get stuck in our ways or, or just, you know, kind of hit a wall and, and kind of, you know, throw our hands up. But I think that's the moment where, you know, it's about like building yourself up and, and being resourceful. I love that you say that. I, I, I think there's something so true about that. Um, we as women also, especially now during the pandemic, a lot of people are starting to reinvent themselves, mm -hmm. right? And it's taking courses, like you said, doing, if you're interested in, in digital marketing, take a digital marketing course. This is the best time to really do any and all Absolutely. of that. What is your own personal mantra that you live by? I think for me, it's, you know, I, I'm very stimulated by my surroundings, you know, so I think my mantra as cliche as it is, is, is sometimes life, you know, and, and really kind of learning from, 
from other people, but um, one thing that I that has stuck with me in terms of a of a mantra and, and that I repeat myself that I repeat to myself often is excellence requires discomfort and perseverance. You know, and I've always really kind of latched onto that notion um, that you're not going to change as long as you're living in your comfort zone. You know, and that understanding how to get out of that and how to challenge yourself and how to, you know, do the things that maybe you're afraid of. Um, and, and it's okay if you fail the first time, you know, like I, I've always had a, a public speaking fear, you know, and um, I, I just never felt comfortable in it. Um, so I forced myself to do it more, you know, this is an example, like I'm not typically, you know, one to do interviews or anything like this. This is one of the first ones. So even this is, is, little bit uncomfortable but I hope that within my discomfort it it gives somebody the opportunity to say hey it's okay to be uncomfortable but you know that look at what you're gonna get you know and hopefully more opportunities present themselves from that but you know I also think perseverance is something that is super essential especially for women you know because I think we're still breaking down the barriers and we have to just keep pushing forward um, no matter what obstacle presents itself to us. You know, we just have to keep knocking down those, those barriers. I think that for being your first time, you're doing great. So give oh, yourself awesome. a, yeah. <laughs> a, you sound like such a pro and I totally relate to you. I have such a huge fear of speaking in public and it's like, I'm afraid of speaking in public, so let me start a podcast, you know? So it's like, it's getting out there. And yeah, just but the beauty is it. that she has improved so much. She's so good now. I mean, you oh, have, yeah. you just can't <laughs> knock it till you try it. And sometimes you gotta, what is it? You just gotta do it. Even in like how you're saying, Arely, how you're like a little bit fearful at the moment, but mm -hmm. you're getting through it and you're doing great. And you don't know who you're going to inspire by just, you know, fighting the fear. Yeah, admitting that. No, I mean, I think that's, you know, something that's super real. I mean, I remember my first uh, public speaking uh, interaction, I completely froze, you know, and I think from where I was then and where I am now, I'm definitely proud to to say that I, I'm here and I didn't, you know, it's that fighter, uh, what is it, the fight or flight, you know, and yeah, I decided to fight. So similarly, I feel like getting out of your comfort zone, I think, is just going to prove to you that there that there's so much to you that, you, you know, we are such dynamic beings and uh, that it's, it's not until we change and we acknowledge that, that then we become better, our better selves, you know? I love that. You're right. Absolutely. Right. Speaking of soundtracks, I know that there's a couple of songs that when I listen, I'm like, Oh my God, I love this song. Is there like <laughs> a soundtrack or like a particular song that you're like, wow, I'm so connected to the song just because, this is your forte and then just to just to see I'm curious to see what would be something that would stand out for yeah. you I'm curious to see to hear what yours is as well um <laughs> so I'll answer and then you guys have to let me know what yours is but for me like I there's a couple that I there's so many I feel like I'm so influenced by music but I think one of the first ones that that has always kind of stuck with me is um Amor Eterno by Rocio Durcal, which I believe is a rite of passage um, in, in the Mexican community. But it, it's just such a personal song that I, I treasure. Um, and every time I hear it, I just get so emotional. And it reminds me of my grandfather um, who passed when, uh, it, when we came to the States, um, he passed. And whenever I hear that song, it just kind of connects me to, 
to him, but also to like spirituality in such a in such a weird way. I think that there's so much emotion in that song. And um, for those of you that don't know what that song is, is you know it's it's a song about mourning the loss of a loved one who maybe has passed or a love lost. You know, so it's such an intimate uh, song, but I think it's so iconic in in our culture. Um, so I treasure that one, but um, I also have a pump up song, which I which I listen to whenever I am go something that I'm that I need help with. Like maybe I'm gonna go ask for a raise or a promotion, you know. And it's uh, Rihanna's "Bitch Better Have My Money." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love that song, and it gets me in the in like that fighting mode to be, you know, to show up for myself, you know, and fight for myself and. Um, cause I think that that's sometimes the hardest thing that I struggle with, but I, I've heard that uh, about this from different women is, you know, how do you sell yourself in a way? Like, how do you become your number one fan almost? And how do you reflect that when you're going out, when you're going in for an interview or when you're going in for a promotion, you know? So I think that song for me just has all the right energy and just kind of, you know, is so bold that I just. I latch onto it anytime I need to do something that I'm like, all right, I got to get this. You know, what's really funny that I, th- the second you said that, I actually remembered exactly where I was the first time I ever <laughs> heard that song. That's great. For me, it's the, the entire soundtrack of Clueless. Mm. That for me, it, it had such an impact in my life. I was probably like 15 years old. And, you know, I was a teenager basically so whatever I was going through like it really resonated with me at that time but every song on the entire soundtrack is fantastic yeah great soundtrack Gabby what's yours well I have a couple I have a couple of songs that come out well I love the Grease soundtrack I think Grease is like obviously I grew up on on that movie and I used to watch it all the time on my VHS and I just know all the songs and it was just such like those those songs were just so classic and when you hear them, you automatically think of the song. You automatically know what part of the movie it was on. It was just See. really good. And also, Whitney Houston, I Will Always Love You from The Bodyguard. Oh, yes. Clap. Oh, that's mm. just that's like a staple. Staple. I'm, I may be feels. like aging yeah. myself, but those were kind of like the ones that stood out. Also, Dirty Dancing had some great music. Mm-hmm. I mean, who doesn't remember the scene with Baby like flying and him picking her up like just a lot of great music that's classic I can't say that from right now if I'm like thinking of today which one stands out which is kind of crazy right I always think of the past but there's so much good music that I'm sure I just need to watch a lot more uh, movies (laughs) now those are all great and isn't it I mean that's a beauty about film soundtracks or movie soundtracks it's just to your point it just takes you back to that point in time in your life, you know, and it, it just kind of makes you nostalgic, you know, like I remember Clueless, I remember Grease, you know, and you, you still hear those and you're like, wow, like I remember being a kid and, you know, wanting to wear that, you know, just like such a culture, it's part of the cultural zeitgeist, which I think is, is really great that you're able to kind of situate yourself in a particular moment in time, you know, so I think that those, that that's the beauty about shaping the music and, and hopefully that's, you know, that resonates with, with an audience and, it becomes a little bit of, of their history. Yes, totally. I agree with you. So what what do you think is the key for finding success work-life balance? 
Because I've been trying to look for it and I haven't found it. I haven't found that key yet. I think it's so buried somewhere. It's really, really hard. It's hard. I I think that that is probably one of the things that I struggle with the most, you know, is, is really allowing myself to take time off, you know, and not feel like I'm, I'm failing at something, you know, I think that, you know, it's, it's hard as women because I feel we've always been trying to, you know, open the door or, you know, maintain or, you know, whatever it might be that becomes a little bit of a, of a guilt almost when you're like, Oh, I'm going to take time off, you know? And in fact, today is my day off, which is, which is great. Um, but I think for me, what I've really, really kind of come to understand is that there are going to be moments in time where I'm going to be super busy, you know, where I'm going to be, you know, hitting the floor really hard from the, you know, 6am to, you know, 10pm, like finishing my day with emails. But then there's going to be moments where it's going to be a little lighter. And when it is a little lighter, like allow myself to, to be present and to maybe disconnect a little bit, you know, do a little bit of a digital detox. Um, But it's, it's a hard thing. It's a really hard dynamic to, you know, to understand. But um, I think surrounding yourself with, with great people is also a way of reconnecting with it and reminding you that, you know, you've been missing out on something or that maybe you should shift your focus. You know, I love, you know, family time and, and, and those kinds of birthday events, you know, that take you away from, from your routine and your day to day, you know, but it also takes just discipline, you know, and setting boundaries, which is not easy for me, but I, I'm starting to learn how to do that a little bit more. Um, but it, it's hard, but I think, you know, when, if you know that there are going to be days when you're just going to be completely stacked with work, but you know, maybe there's the next week, which is a little lighter, you know, making sure that you build time for yourself, I think is probably, probably cool. But yeah, that key's still missing. I don't really know. <laughs> so you said something very valuable, which is some days, um, some days you're just going to have to be up and at it from early in the morning till late at night. And there's some weeks that you're just not mm-hmm. going to be as busy. And I think that that's probably the key. It's focusing on the times that you have to really focus and then taking the time off when you are able to. I want to um, see I'm conflicted with saying when you need to, sure. because I feel like we always need time, but we also have to commit to what we need to get done. Right. So it's it's kind of a bit of it's it's, it's hard to find that yeah, the key yeah. to success but let me know but i will <laughs> let you know if i find it <laughs> i will let you know so where do you see yourself um in the next five years i mean you know what's, I what's think next for you my life has been such that where i'm not really given myself the chance to think that far in advance you know i i think for me it's always just kind of been the immediate future um but i hope that I, I mean, like, if you asked me my ideal version of where I'd be, I'd probably be retired in a beach in Mexico, um, you know, hanging out with my group of friends. But, uh, you know, I think in the meantime, it's just hopefully continuing to shape the music that people can reference, you know, five years from now or 10 years from now. Like, I think that that would be such a, a dream come true if down the line somebody you know, says, Oh, wow, you, you, you worked on that song. That's amazing. Like, you know, it takes me back to where I was, you know, I think that for me, that would be super iconic. Um, but also just like learning more about myself, you know, and, and kind of continuing to push myself into the discomfort and doing things that, that I'm not really, 
necessarily comfortable with. So, um, but yeah, I, I hope I'm still doing what I'm doing and maybe a little bit more successfully. You will. I think you will and you will be killing it. I, I honestly do believe that. It's been honestly a pleasure to get to know you. You, I just want to know before we leave, what sign are you? You're giving me I, some vibes. What do you think? You're, can we guess? <laughs> let's guess. Okay, I think let's you're guess. Either okay, Gabby, you guess first. Capricorn. Okay. Okay, I think she's a. I was gonna say, I think she's a Sagittarius. I am a Capricorn. Oh my god! I, I'm a Cap. Oh. <laughs> Wow, Gabby, you're getting good. You're getting, she's getting really good. What day? Because my daughter's also a Capricorn. And if you say January so 17th, I'm going to, I don't know. Wow. So close. Yeah. That's amazing, okay. Alex. I mean, sorry, Gabby. I'm, I'm. Yeah, no, you know why? Because yeah. you are she's... so, like, I could tell you're Capricorn. You're so driven. You are about your work. You're such career oriented. You can either you can even be a little bit of a workaholic. I'm sure, mm. if I'm correct. Yeah. I'm but wait, where are you? Where are you perfecting your your skills? Like, that's amazing that you were able to. <laughs> I always get it right, right, Alex? <laughs> That's amazing. She does. Um, she I really just does. feel like after talking to you, you know, yeah. it's been over an hour. Like I, I just get a sense of like the person and their mannerisms and the way they speak and their story. And I could just tell who they are and what they are. And Virgos are very, well, Alex is a Virgo and she's very like also meticulous. She's a little bit of a perfectionist. She's very organized. And I sense that about you as well. So I thought what about maybe you, Gabby? What are you? I'm a Taurus. I'm crazy, girl. I am Amazing. not organized. I'm She's a feisty Let's Taurus. The day before, I'm not organized. <laughs> <laughs> but I get it done. So but I get it done. That's and that's what counts. You do. Yeah. You so, and you do it right. You so and you much do it right. For being with us today, I, yeah. it honestly was a pleasure to meet you. I wish you the best, and I can't wait to hear more of the soundtracks that you create. That's awesome. It's a pleasure to meet you guys. Thanks for having me. It was so much fun. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And um, where should they follow you? Are you on Instagram? Um, I am on Instagram. Um, you can find me at uh, it's Adi, I-T-S-A-D-I-E. Um, and yeah, and I'm, I'm almost on TikTok, but not yet. I haven't, I haven't taken the plunge yet, but uh, you can find me on Instagram. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much. And everyone, till next time, we will see you Thank in you. our next episode. Thank you for listening. You're listening to Girls Gone Boss. Hosted by Alex and Gabby. I love you guys. Oh, yeah.